All right, so this lecture, well, podcast is on racial ethnic minorities in sports. So this follows along with uh, chapter six of your textbook. Um, also connects to the lecture slides that you'll find on Canvas. So interesting that when we talk about race in sport, there's oftentimes this conversation around how sport is the great equalizer. And I think I mentioned this in the last lecture too, uh, when I talked about mobility and social mobility um, and stratification. So yeah, there's this notion that it's the great equalizer that, you know, sport sees no color. Um, and that's it. To an extent, yes, uh, everyone's playing on the same field and, um, you know, and like, yes, there are racial ethnic minorities playing sports. However, there's still a great deal of racism kind of threaded throughout um, and differences and experiences based on race. So... A lot of this is seen on more of an institutional level and more of a societal level um, rather than like direct blunt racism. However, I also think that that can exist as well throughout sport. We just don't see it nearly as clearly or as often. I think it happens, you know, in one-on-one -on -one experiences um, or behind closed doors. So um, yeah, I think there's this a major social component, which is why we're talking about it here in this class. So if we think about uh, functionalism and conflict theory or critical race theory, we've got two different perspectives. And I'm, I'm jumping, kind of zooming out real quick beyond just sport, but thinking about race in general in our society. From a functional perspective, um, individuals of racial ethnic minority status should be integrating into the greater society, right? And helping, uh, helping society function by integrating and assimilating. Um, so taking on the culture, the language, the style of dress, the values, and often give up much of their own culture um, as a result. And in order to successfully integrate into society and be successful, quote unquote, successful in our society. And then from a critical perspective, um, which you know is being critical of the current system, race is really um, a socially constructed concept rather than something that, um, you know, creates really strict boundaries. It's really socially constructed um, and it creates a power differential. Again, that's what our critical theories, no matter what we're looking at, whether we're looking at gender, race, social class, the critical theories are highlighting that um, there are these power differentials that are unfair and having a negative impact on individuals who are not in positions of power. So critical race theory then is suggesting that um, racial ethnic minorities in our culture are being negatively affected because of these power differentials. 
and that's not a good thing. Um, and, you know, even like from this perspective as well, I mean, we also can acknowledge the assimilation and kind of the expectation that, you know, everyone assimilates into really a white dominated culture. Um, and, you know, from a critical race perspective, yes, that's happening and it's not okay, right? It's taking away from um, an individual's culture and ability to kind of be who they are and express who they are and connect with who they are um, when, when there's an expectation that they assimilate in order to be successful and contribute. Um, yeah, so those are kind of the, the two different perspectives on race and important to keep in mind throughout this entire discussion. So like I mentioned, there's absolutely the potential for really blatant, explicit racism um, in sport. And, you know, while I think it happens less over time, it can still happen, absolutely. But what we're going to focus in on is really the more subtle, subtle, but very powerful impact of institutional racism in our society. And this is, you know, racism that's built in or that occurs through the framework and the institutions um, that exist in our society. So an example of, you know, something that I think kind of falls very squarely in the middle of like blatant racism and more institutional racism or really subtle racism is how commentators talk about athletes. And um, I give you an example of this, of like a very racially insensitive um, reporting and also like gendered reporting of um, a women's basketball game. And like you can hear how the commentator is talking about the female athletes, particularly black female athletes, and um, quite, quite racially insensitive and judgmental, biased, prejudiced. Um, and I, you know, there's been research done pretty recently too that looks at the words that commentators use, that sport commentators use when they're describing athletes. And it's interesting because oftentimes when they're discussing white athletes, um, you know, and I think this happens, I don't think it's happening intentionally. If you ask these people, they wouldn't say they were being racist, but um, in describing white athletes, oftentimes they focus more on intelligence and leadership abilities so, you know, they'll use words like, um, you know, smart and, ugh, I'm blanking, like words related to smart, right? Smart, intelligent, um, quick, uh, like mentally quick, um, and then words also related to leadership. And, uh, and then in describing black athletes, there's a lot more focus on their physicality and almost like a natural, more animalistic um, ability. So words like beast 
and aggressive and strong are used more frequently. Um, and they've done this, you know, after quite a bit of analysis of, um, I believe reporting specifically on, on football players. Um, but yeah, so these are the words that kind of naturally come out of commentators mouths and, um, sport reporters mouths when discussing athletes. And I think it's very interesting that this is sort of ingrained, um, and so subtle that unless you are aware of it, you may not even notice that it's happening. Um, so that's, that's just one example of how it's sort of built in, um, to an extent institutionally, but I think in the sense it's a bit more social 